When most people think of an elevator pitch, they think of something that I use in one particular experience, and that is networking. I have 30 seconds to tell somebody what I do. And the brand story is that, three, three to five sentences, I can state that in a very short amount of time, probably less than a typical traditional elevator pitch. But it's now a tool for unpacking. You're listening to the Legal Mastermind Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Klein and Chase Williams, the go-to podcast for learning from the experts in the legal community about effective ways to grow and manage your law firm. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Legal Mastermind Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Klein. I have with me, Chase Williams. Chase, how's your week coming along? It's awesome. We've been doing a couple podcasts this week, but it's, it's really gotten me in the mindset to ask questions, listen, and super excited to be talking to Mike today. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Mike, we have Mr. Mike Jones with Resound Creative. Mike, glad to have you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. And uh, today, you are a uh, master crafter of storytelling, um, creating storyboards, and everything that has to do with story and, and giving law firms a chance to kind of I guess, develop themselves in a way where people can kind of relate to them a little bit more than just looking at their practice areas and you know, seeing what they're about and their background experience. It gives them a, a platform to kind of go beyond that. Why don't you elaborate that, how you got into it, some of your background and, and how you kind of yep. found your passion bringing that to the table for lawyers? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to go kind of the deep dive archive, I've been a graphic designer in some way, shape or form since really since like in high school. And uh, that's what kind of got me into marketing and branding uh, pretty early in my career. Uh, one of my first jobs kind of out of out of school and study, and I was doing some freelance stuff, and I got kind of my first full-time gig uh, doing marketing. Uh, I was doing graphic design. I ended up doing art direction and creative like content for a small marketing agency here in Phoenix. And really for most of my career now, and I started Resound in 2009 with really the goal to really help companies kind of unlock that unique, remarkable story that they have to tell um, and really say like, hey, instead of kind of what had normally been the case when I worked with clients when I asked them, okay, what's your strategy? Like, how do you want to get your brand to market? And what's your story? And what are you trying to tell? And nine times out of 10, the answer would kind of be like, well, we, we don't really know. Uh, we need help with that, but also like, you know, all of our competitors seem to be doing all right. So let's just kind of take what they're doing and put our little spin on it. And I got really tired of that. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired of taking, copying, and pasting, you know, competitors, content, competitors look and feel and just like, oh, we'll change your color here, or do something a little different. Um, and I, that really got me on this path of like, how do you find your really true, unique, authentic identity as an organization? And so uh, formed Resound with two business partners. And that really became our kind of call, our mantra, our um, kind of like, what are we trying to achieve in the world that is different than what I think a lot of other people are doing? And, and that really was, how do we develop a process that really helps organizations unlock this remarkable potential that they have in their story. And how do you make it truly authentic and unique to them to where no one else can look around and go, Oh yeah, like we could just take that and use it. And uh, so we've been, we've worked on that, that process uh, very early on and we've honed it and refined it over many years, 10 years actually. And we now have this very robust 
process to help uh, organizations find their unique and remarkable story and tell it to the world. I, I guess prior to speaking, I, I wasn't aware that while you're kind of doing your process, that not only are you figuring out some of the messaging or, or what you're trying to accomplish externally, but it's also internally. And I find that yep. interesting because they are pretty different. So when you're doing externally, you're finding the differentiators. But if you're doing internally, yep. you might be talking about like core values and mission statement. So can you Correct. tell me if there's possibly uh, a different process for each or if there's only one process, how does it accomplish both simultaneously? So I think the fundamental to understand first and foremost is that we always start internal first um, because if you start external, you'll start to assume that differentiators are intrinsically you, right? So what may be an opportunity in the marketplace because there's a gap within your competitors may not be something you can personally actually own, right? So for instance, if we do a SWOT analysis and, and then we also do a competitor analysis, let's say, and the competitor analysis shows us that there is a gap in the market, uh, this is super, very superficial. Let's say we do an analysis and we find that um, in the market, there is um, a gap in the colors of the brands, right, that you're competing against. And in that gap, we find that purple is a color that no one is using. Let's just say, and this is a very superficial example. Um, we might be tempted if we just did a competitor analysis to say, oh, the answer to our problem, the answer to our differentiation for our brand is purple. We should just become the purple company. Well, let's think about that for a second. Let's say you have a culture and an established brand that has been green for years and years and years. Do you just throw the green out without a second thought and slap on purple? That might be the temptation, right? Because we see an opportunity and we want to grab it. But in reality, if you've got 150 employees who are very attached to that green color, that's an assumption, right? We're assuming that they're attached to it. Then getting them to adopt that purple and really own it, right, throughout the entire organization may be difficult. It may be hard for your existing clients who are, are very familiar with your particular green that you've been using for a long time. And when you flip to purple, they're like, I don't understand what you guys are doing. Are you guys a different company now? Did you guys get bought? Is it the same ownership? I'm starting to ask all these questions now. But what happens is if we take a more internal first approach, then we start to identify what do internal people and existing clients really value. Now, again, color is very superficial. So that might not be something that really comes out in that study. I doubt that like changing from green to purple is going to be like a deal breaker for most people, but something like maybe um, you've positioned on service for a really long time and you decide that, well, everyone else in our market is, is positioned on service. So we should just flip to uh, low cost. Well, low cost has some major ramifications for your own internal teams and your existing customers, because you're probably gonna have to shave some service to make it work. And that right there will probably have a very detrimental impact on your organization, on your brand, really. And so if we don't understand first, like, what do people really know you for? What do they really value? Um, and is that in alignment, right? So it's one thing to say, hey, let's, let's fix our external communication for better positioning and more relevance and more, make it more compelling and interesting. But then internally, we don't have buy-in for that. 
the rollout will be superficial. It will literally be at the marketing level only. And the minute that a client moves beyond an ad campaign or the website and moves into a relationship with an actual individual within the firm, they will feel that disconnect between, well, you say all this and you look like this out in the market, but when I get in here and I actually experience the behaviors of your organization, I get something very different. While we do focus primarily on externals with marketing and communication, we take a very internal first approach to how we brand companies. We say, look, there's something remarkable already within you. We have to go identify it. And yeah, part of that process is is also making sure that is that thing that makes you remarkable actually unique? Or is it something that everyone's saying internally but is really the same thing everyone else is saying out, you know, in your mix of competitors. And so that competitor analysis is really important. Um, so our, our process is typically we start with leadership teams. We work with them. Um, we really identify with them this kind of definition for their brand, like the story, the values, the personality. And then we validate it. We say, all right, that's great. You five or eight have hopefully a really good tap on your organization, on your staff, and on your clients, but that's not always the case, especially as you grow. So we want to validate that. We want to make sure that all these assumptions that we've made with the leadership team are actually right. So we have to validate them at least at two levels. One is with staff, right? They're the boots on the ground. They're the ones interfacing day in and day out with uh, clients and with their clients, uh, other staff, especially when you're talking about corporate law, where oftentimes you have a team matched with a team. Uh, if you're servicing a large organization as a law firm, you're going to have a couple different people on within your law firm who are then servicing that client. And then also, we have to have client perceptions, which ultimately I think is the real gold, right? There's nothing better than a, than a client feedback that says, yes, that is one of your values. I see that day in and day out. Here's how I see it lived out that actually becomes fodder for marketing, right? If you have actual clients telling you, this is why I love working with you. This is why I come back again and again. This is what got me in the door in the first place about you guys. That's stuff that you're like, ah, that's the gold that's going to create business for us as we put marketing out into the world. Um, And then the lastly is we then do a competitor analysis and kind of Okay, do a further validation. Is this all going to fit within the market? That often becomes also a point of like when we get into the the nuts and bolts, the real small details of crafting a brand like the logo, the colors, fonts, um, the language that you use, the keywords. Are we really using language and graphics that are actually unique? Or is it that maybe we're latching on to something that everyone else is already using and we're not really differentiating? that's kind of where that competitor analysis can come in and be like a really good validator, especially as you get into the more of the creative aspects of, of the brand. Once you've identified the brand and developed the story, what's the best way to keep everything aligned with leadership staff and then all your outbound marketing? Yep. Uh, so first you've got to have some guidelines. Um, and so that's all part of our rollout process is we produce a pretty robust guideline uh, handbook and it includes all the normal stuff. I think most people are familiar with in terms of guidelines, like, you know, use the logo this way. Don't use it that way. Um, here's your fonts. Here's your colors. Try not to screw that up guys. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of basic stuff. But then we also package in that um, the core values, the personality traits, 
some verbal guidelines, how to communicate with words, with language for the brand. Um, and even sometimes it depends on the brand that we work with, but we'll even create metaphors or archetypes to help them kind of personify or visualize their brand. Um, and then that tool we develop uh, so that everyone in the firm has access to it. So we'll often create a printed version because everyone wants to, you know, usually the marketing team loves having a printed version that feels really nice and it's something they can show off and, you know, show the partners, hey, look what we did. And the partners get all excited. Um, and that's awesome. And it's useful too. It's not just a feel good. But then there's usually a, either a, a lower tier printed version, booklet, or there's even just a digital version of it. And then we work with leadership to say, okay, how do we make sure that this gets kind of adopted and translated into day-to-day -day work for each of your teams? And so we'll work with leadership to create training programs. Um, that can be as simple as just, you know, hey, let's do a launch experience, uh, put a little event together for your staff, um, showcase the new brand, where we're going with it, uh, and then some examples of how to use it. If we want to get more detailed, then we can do like more like division level or, um, you know, particular kinds of staff. Part of that also is we work with leadership teams to create a rollout plan. Um, that's usually a 12 month plan, sometimes 18 months if they're pretty large and they have a lot of things that need to get worked through. And that's going to get into more of the tactical stuff of like, okay, your communications, how are you going to roll this brand out across all of your marketing platforms? Um, what stuff needs to change. And then even internal stuff like, hey, you know, you've got, you have an office, you have the old logos in all these different places. Um, you have signage that needs to be updated. How can we take the brand and even apply it to like, hey, you have this blank wall in your office that really isn't doing anything right now. Is there something we could do on it to kind of express the brand in a unique and fun way for your staff or even for clients that are coming in? And, you know, then that kind of opens up Pandora's box of creative ideas of like, could we do murals? Could we commission a painting? Um, could we do some kind of interactive uh, digital signage thing uh, with with brand elements and involving? And that's what I think was really exciting is where you can start to involve staff in that concepting, especially if you've rolled out the brand, you've given them kind of the foundation, like here's who we are, right? Here's our story. Here's our, our values, our personality, um, our purpose. Here are the basic elements, the logo, the colors, the verbal guidelines. All right, now we're going to create a specific instance for this brand to live, right? Maybe it's an event. How should we do that? And you run it back through that filter of those guidelines and, and see what comes out. And I love watching clients kind of unlock their creative potential because of that. Um, because now everyone's on the same page. They're like, oh, this is what our brand stands for and what we're trying to, the message we're trying to put out into the world, which actually, while some might think, oh, that's limiting, right? But in reality, it's like, no, now we have focus. So as we concept and we create ideas and we exercise our creativity internally, we now have a point at which we can go, yes, these are good ideas because they've fallen in line with that or they inspire these ideas. So I, I want to talk about, it's partially what we discussed, I think, last week or the or week before, whenever we talked prior to this. But so once you you figured out your brand and then the story behind it, I, and I, I know you mentioned keeping it succinct, um, especially so people can absorb it as quickly as possible. I was kind of perplexed when we originally talked because you said that it's almost like giving an elevator pitch, but the elevator pitch is really short, like three, four seconds short. So 
how do you go about doing that once you've established the brand and your story? How do you keep that elevator pitch so short for people? And in, in what medium and how are you presenting that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what we talked about and how I use the elevator yeah, pitch. Yeah, cause yeah, because you, you mentioned elevator pitch. And what, like, it's my understanding most uh, elevator pitches, you know, it's like generally if you're an elevator and it's like 15, 20, 30 seconds. But I, I, yeah. I thought it was interesting because you said it was as short as five seconds. The, the format of our typical brand story is probably about three to five sentences. And it'll flex a little bit depending on the brand. Um, some brands need to do a little bit more educating in their brand story. And so it might stretch up to like, you know, two paragraphs, maybe. But then that brand story is not like it's, it's not a standalone deliverable that you would use necessarily. I mean, you could use it on everything. Um, but it's not going to work in every context, right? So like, for instance, if you're for some reason, like we ended up with a brand story that was like two paragraphs, right? It was like six sentences. That is not going to work for your Twitter profile. It just won't fit, right? They're going <laughs> to, you have limited characters that you can use. Um, same thing on your homepage, right? So when someone shows up on the homepage of your website, you have literally what? I think the standard is like you have three seconds to capture them and get them to read, like go beyond that initial page load. So maybe five seconds. And so one of the keys to a great brand story is writing it in such a way that you could shorten it up. Now, does it tell the entire story? No, absolutely not. But that's why we write. That's why people create, right? Is to expand on that story. So if you can get it down to a tagline version, then now I can, you, you can get them in those three seconds and then get them into that longer form version that you talked about, that elevator pitch, right? That, you know, 30 second version um, that takes them a little bit more time to digest. The other piece that I think is really cool about a brand story is it's, it's really a, an inspiration point as well. So it becomes, it just makes your story as a brand very clear. If you asked an organization to write down their story, they would probably use a full page, if not more to try to tell their story, right? That's the common issue that I run into. And so even getting it down to like three to five sentences is like a huge accomplishment for them um, that they can now tell their story in such a succinct way. Um, can you get it shorter? I would encourage anyone to get it as short as possible. It is something that I think when most people think of an elevator pitch, they think of something that I use in one particular ex uh, experience and that is networking. Right, I have 30 seconds to tell somebody what I do or what my company does. And so I have an elevator pitch. And the brand story is that, three, three to five sentences, I can state that in a very short amount of time, probably less than a typical traditional elevator pitch. But it's now a tool for unpacking. Each of those points in your brand story, you can keep going through all the different points. You could take every one of them and they become uh, breakout pages within your website. They become blog posts. They become newsletter articles. They become third-party articles that you can go get published in trade magazines or uh, in other you know, media outlets. Um, and then you can riff on them, right? I'm going to look at, I'm going to take this audience segment from my brand story and this pain point, and I'm going to look at it in 10 different ways. What are 10 different ways I can look at that and talk about it? Um, and now all of a sudden we have inspiration for all of our content, right? And I think the real key to why this is so powerful is that the brand story, everything has to come back to the brand story. If you're writing something or you're creating something for the brand, 
that doesn't relate somehow to the brand story or isn't inspired by the brand story, doesn't talk through one of those five points, then you're off brand, right? You're talking about something that your audience doesn't care about, or you're talking about something that doesn't solve one of their pain points, or you're talking about something that doesn't build your credibility as a guide for those people and the pain points that they have, or you're talking about an outcome, uh, an ending that doesn't matter. Right. And I think that's the challenge of not having a brand story is that a lot of brands just talk about anything and everything. To kind of sum up what, what you've been saying too, as far as like the elevator pitch happening in different situations, I, I feel like now, you know, you've kind of gone, gone through an, an elaborating how that may apply, you know, situationally. I think like the elevator pitch in person is kind of in a situation where you're trying to, I guess, discuss or promote your, your services to someone that may not be interested or potentially not interested yep. just yet. And that maybe is more like sales marketing. Whereas if they go to your website, they see marketing collateral and they see you and they're already kind of familiar and they're, they're thinking about obtaining services. It, then yep. it's when the branding and storytelling comes into play as opposed to a hard sell or more marketing. Yeah. And, and you have to, I mean, this is marketing 101, right? You create communication that speaks to the specific audience that you are talking to. That's why like targeting to a specific audience is so powerful. So when we talk about an elevator pitch, sometimes what we're talking about is like a template, right? A generic kind of templated piece of content that explains like what you do. And I think that was a really good identification you just had around. A lot of times it's just somebody who doesn't know you, doesn't know what you do. Um, and it probably is not, uh, at least not now, uh, a potential client or customer yet. Um, like they're not in that mode and they might not ever be. And so that's why like knowing your audience is so critical so that you can take your brand story. It's like, okay, this story is going to be the same no matter where I go or what I do, but I can tweak it to make it more relevant to a specific audience. If I'm talking to a marketing director of a law firm versus a CEO, well, their pain points are going to be slightly different in that story, right? The overall pain points of the firm are the same, but the individual pain points of a CEO versus a marketing director are different. And so I can adjust my brand story without losing kind of the core thread of our brand in that story. And I can adjust like, Hey, I can identify a sub pain point to the main one in our story that will resonate with a marketing director. And I can use language that will address them specifically. Right. So I can tailor that brand story to the specific context in which I, I find myself in. Um, and that's, I mean, particularly relevant if you're using it in like pitches or you're using it in networking or you're using it um, in presentations. Um, but the same thing happens when you're talking about actual like advertising and collateral. Um, some collateral obviously is a little more difficult, right? You can't make every single brochure that you have specific to a specific, you know, audience segment of your, of your firm. Um, but you can at least like when, okay, we know we're going to be delivering something in a specific way at a specific, you know, conference or a specific event. And can we develop a piece of content? If we don't have one already, do we have one developed that's actually specific to this audience? 
That brand story doesn't change though, right? The underlying themes of the brand story. So the hero, who's the hero? What are the major pain points you solve for them? And why is your brand intrinsically uh, great at that? Like what makes you relevant? And then finally, like what's the end benefit? Those, those shouldn't change, but you might, you might hone in on specific elements of them and, and highlight how this impacts a specific audience segment that you're talking to. You can do the same thing with industries, right? If you have different industries that you, that you work with as a law firm, um, you're going to want to take that brand story and spin it or give it a flavor for that particular industry that you're targeting. Awesome. And Mike, you speak a lot about this at various LMA events, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I've been actually doing a lot this summer uh, with LMA and, and been into a number of different chapters. We've talked through brand story and some other, some other like pieces of that branding process. I think, I think that's probably, that's probably uh, for our listeners. What's if they want to reach out and, and work with you, Mike, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, so they can hit me up. Email is great. So Mike at resoundcreative.com. They can also check out our website, um, resoundcreative.com. Um, if they're into Twitter, I'm on Twitter a lot. <laughs> they can find me at Remarka Mike, R-E-M-A-R-K-A-M-I-K-E, and all the other wonderful social networks that are out there. But I'm on Twitter probably way too much. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Legal Mastermind Podcast. If you're interested in working with Ryan and Chase, please email mastermind at marketmymarket.com. Make sure to join the free mastermind group for growing and managing your firm at lawfirmmastermind.com. Ryan Klein and Chase Williams are the managing partners at Market My Market, one of the top legal marketing companies in the United States. Thank you.